Everybody is dealing with something. And that's really why I want to share these stories because the more stories we tell, the more people can relate to them and, and hopefully we can help, you know, get through their own struggle. All right, you guys. So thank you for joining in to another session of Tattoos of My Soul podcast. Today I have Angie Miller. Um, She is a huge part of an amazing uh, place here in Springfield, Ohio called the Safe Harbor House, which is a long-term faith-based residential treatment program for women who suffer from issues such as substance abuse, trauma, trafficking, and domestic abuse. Um, They're either currently dealing with these things or they've dealt with these things in the past. Um, She is a life coach um, there and also a life skills coordinator. And I'm excited to have you here. You came to our Revive event uh, about a month ago, and and we met and talked over the phone. Um, and I just knew right away that you were somebody I wanted to have on the podcast because just of your story and the things that you were sharing. So I thank you for for coming and being a part of the podcast today. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm just absolutely. excited to talk about God, what he's done, and Sounds a little good. bit about Safe Harbor House too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we do the podcast, every time I told you I was going to ask you this question, <laughs> you so it's like we always start out with what's your favorite quote or a, a Bible verse or just any kind of words that have really played a big part in your life that maybe have inspired you or kept you going when times have been tough? Yeah, you definitely gave me fair warning. Yes. So I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I do. I have two. So I'm going to be an overachiever and pick yeah. two. Yeah. Um, but one is a quote and it is uh, Charles Spurgeon. Consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's the story of my life is that wow. devil just kept trying to take me out just over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but God but God was the winner. Yeah. He is the ultimate winner. Yeah. And so I um, cling to that and it gives me a good perspective on what, you know, the struggle has been about yeah. in life. Yeah. So, yeah, I've never heard that yeah. quote before. That's pretty powerful. I mean, it really like talks about the spiritual warfare mm-hmm. that goes on in all of yeah. our lives, you know, and no matter how ugly it gets, no matter how dark it gets, God is always there fighting on our behalf Absolutely. And for us. And he doesn't give us up. He yes. Just doesn't. Exactly. So. And what's the other one? Yeah. So um, I think it's one you like too, mm-hmm. but it's Jeremiah 2911. And um, I'm a person in recovery and long-term recovery. And when I first got into recovery, that verse just jumped out at me and, um, you know, that he has plans to prosper me yeah. and not to harm me, to give me a hope in a future. Yeah. And um, that just, uh, it's what I live my life by that, mm-hmm. you know, he's for me. I used to think he was up there in the clouds ready to shoot lightning out of the sky <laughs> and take me out for yeah. saying or doing the wrong thing. And that's not the God that I found. And yeah. that I have a relationship with. So. Yeah, I love that. I feel like there's certain verses that you should just know by heart. And that mm-hmm. has, that is just one of them. That is, I, I am just, I mean, obviously I reference a lot. I have it on my arm. <laughs> like it's part of me now, but it's just one of those ones that I feel like no matter what mm-hmm. people are going through, like if you can give them that, like if you can just remember one verse, that is such yeah. a good one to remember because you literally can encourage anybody in any situation with with that word, you know, or with that verse, just knowing that there is always a plan and that there's, you know, a greater good uh, in the works for you. So mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Safe Harbor House and maybe first just kind of tell me how did you end up, you know, working there and, and becoming a part of that place? 
Yeah. So I had been a stay at home mom for a lot of years, wasn't mm-hmm. working and I've uh, been doing prison ministry for quite some time. And I met someone who was actually working at Safe Harbor. Mm-hmm. She had been incarcerated herself. And when she got out, she um, eventually got connected, started working there and um, they were looking for someone. And so I came in and uh, it's been five years. It's been a wonderfully blessed five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it has changed my life. God has used the program of Safe Harbor to heal me in ways I didn't know I needed to be still healed, um, all while using me to come alongside of women who are Mm -hmm. still in the struggle, who are still fighting each day, Mm -hmm. you know, to stay in recovery, to um, heal from past trauma. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's been, uh, that was, I owe uh, kind of a blessing to my friend who got me involved Mm -hmm. um, because she definitely did me a big favor then. She Mm -hmm. was the connector God used. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what do you, like, what is your daily work there look like? Well, with coaching, um, assigned um, a couple of different residents. We can have up to 10 residents at a time between the two houses that we have. Okay. I currently am coaching three residents right now. And so it's individualized. We have a pretty structured program mm-hmm. um, in each phase of the program. There's four phase. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a lot of boxes they got to get checked and different things that go along with that phase. Mm-hmm. And so it's just helping them identify goals and setting those goals, finding what we need to do to reach those goals, coming alongside, supporting them, encouraging them when they need it, mm-hmm. and uh, celebrating, celebrating yeah. all the victories that yeah. come along, because there's a lot of victories. Things mm-hmm. that might look like little things to the outsider are huge, yeah. you know, for some of our women. So um, it's a privilege to be there with them. I don't, I have never once felt like I went to work when mm-hmm. I go there. It's not like I feel like I go to work. I, it's That's a when blessing. you know you found the right job, is <laughs> yeah. when it doesn't feel <laughs> like work. I would, I would agree with you, like yeah. what everything that we're doing, I, it's like, yes, it's work, but mm-hmm. no, not really. You know, yeah. it's, I, I agree with that. That's awesome. And like, I know it's a faith-based, like you, the description, faith-based residential treatment program. The majority of the women that come in, are they, do they already have like a, a faith, you know, based mm-hmm. kind of you know, thing in their life going on? Do they have a relationship with God or do you really see that? I'm, I'm sure it's probably a mix mm-hmm. of both, but you know, how does that faith increase as they work through this program? Yeah, I think um, we are faith-based, but we are a program that anybody can come there. So yeah. yes, we have had people who come in who aren't really sure what they think yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the best part of our program because there are a lot of programs out there that kind of force it. Yeah. Um, and it should be or- organic. It should be something yeah. that, you know, if the Holy Spirit's involved and if God's doing it, then it's on his time. It's mm-hmm. not on our time. Right. And um, I don't know about you, but I've had people try to shove the Bible and God down my throat mm-hmm. and it never, ever worked. Correct. In fact, it actually turned me away from yeah. um, for many years. So you know, we're patient. We let God work that out. We, um, we're there to answer questions, to try to be a model of what it looks like to live a life in Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, nobody has to come there with any certain set of beliefs. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say the majority of them have some belief in the God of the Bible and sure. maybe they're just not very much depth yet. Yeah. Um, but it is just a front row seat of miracles happening. I'm telling I'm sure. you just the I'm sure. things that we get to see and women that are overcoming things that have just kept them held in bondage like Mm -hmm. for years it's I always have this picture of like a a beautiful bird who has the ability to fly and it's in a cage Mm -hmm. and it can't ever get out of that cage stuck in there yeah and if you could just open that door and figure out how to unlock that door and let that bird out it would just fly Mm -hmm. and I feel like we see that we see women who learn and
and God partnering with them, them partnering with God mm -hmm. to figure out how to open that lock and to let them get out and to fly. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. that's a really an amazing analogy. And I think you are you're spot on. Like you can't ever I have had that experience where people have forced their beliefs and you know that goes across the board. We're not even talking about like yeah. faith. I mean, just across the board, you can't force your beliefs or your thinking on really anybody, you know, I think that's so huge when you're trying to encourage somebody is just, yeah. just encourage them, you know, and then pray for them and let God do the work. Like we're not out to save anybody. <laughs> um, and yeah. I think a lot of people take on that like responsibility to put that on themselves or they, they take on that position. Like I'm out to save the world. And really that's yeah. not our job. We are just there to, you know, we're supposed to be there to encourage people and support people and point them in the right direction. And then ultimately, you know, the rest right. is up to them and God. So love them where they're at. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you and I, um, I love that. I love that analogy. I love that, that work that you're clearly doing. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think I would love to hear some more of the, you know, clear examples of, of some of the things that the, the women are going through, but I want to hear more about your story mm -hmm. because we talked on the phone. What was that like? two weeks ago. Yeah. And you kind of just shared your story of, you know, your journey of faith, where you've been, you know, whenever we do a podcast, we kind of talk about what is the time in your life that you've hit rock bottom, that it's like, man, I don't, I don't know which way is up, you know, and a time that you have really been rescued by your faith, by God, by, you know, some kind of experience that, mm -hmm. that made you think I'm going to get, I'm not only going to get through this, but I'm going to come out stronger. Yeah. Well, I'll set the stage for you, give you some background. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when I was a child, I remember, you know, at one point, I remember clearly being a happy kid. I wore bib overalls. I chased frogs. <laughs> I had no cares in the world. I saved every animal I could find. I brought it home. I had a little animal hospital underneath mm -hmm. my bed and tell my parents would find them and then I'd get in trouble. But mm -hmm. I was out to like rescue and save every injured baby bird or whatever it was. Yeah. And then at age nine, I had um, some text sexual trauma that okay. occurred. And um, it's almost as if just in a moment, like just a split second, my mm -hmm. whole world changed. Yeah. And um, I was confused and, you know, ashamed and felt guilty and broken. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know what to do with any of that. It wasn't someone in my home. Um, I was threatened. I didn't feel like I could tell anybody, so I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. And um, it it made me turn into um, rebellious, angry, mouthy, uh, withdrawn, mm -hmm. staying to myself, everything that I wasn't before. And mm -hmm. I have that memory of that like sharp like change. Mm -hmm. And um, about a year later, the same thing happened again. Mm -hmm. And so that mm -hmm. just kind of piled on. And same, 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 person same no, not or... same person. Same thing happened. I was molested. Okay. It was a, a person outside my home. Wow. And, um, I firmly believe that when we're traumatized, when we have things that we go through, um, the struggles, the way that we're handling them, make us a target at times for mm -hmm. predators that are out there. Mm -hmm. And maybe they can yeah. sense that you're already, yeah, you know, already in wounded. a bad place and yeah. wounded and you're an easy target. Mm -hmm. And, um, so after that, you know, things just kept, yeah, they just got worse and I didn't know how to handle it. I had no coping skills. And uh, so the next several years were, you know, I was just not doing as good in school and um, not the kid that my parents had raised. I'm sure I've often wondered like what they thought, you know, mm -hmm. I was fine and then I wasn't. Yeah. And um, unfortunately they are both passed and I never told them. They wow. never knew. Wow. I, that's the one regret. If I could give a regret is that I wish I would have told them I could have yeah. gotten help. You know, they would have had understanding. Yeah. 
Um, but I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it for fear. Yeah. So, um, when I was a young teenager, I can't remember how old I was, but I was in trouble. I was grounded for mm-hmm. being mouthy as I usually was. <laughs> and, um, my grandmother, my dad's mom came over for the day to visit and she was mad that I wasn't allowed to come out of my room. Mm-hmm. And so she came up in my room. I'll never forget. I loved her so much, but it was a really bad choice on her part. And she said, you shouldn't have to listen to her. She's not your real mom anyways. And so in that moment, I find out that mom's that's been raising me that I think is my mom is not my biological mother. Yeah. And that was shocking. And that's how you found out by that statement. By that statement. Yes. And it it was shocking. And it was a full on identity crisis almost immediately. I'm just like, well, what do you mean? And then um, I was already an angry kid. So now I have a target. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now I'm angry and you're not my real mother. Like, and I've been lied to. So um, it just compounded. It's all piling up and swirling around. And, um, you know, I know I got sent to juvenile detention for a weekend, like maybe the year after for not coming home when I was supposed to. And Mm. um, I know that was kind of something that got my attention because I'm definitely a people pleaser by nature and Mm -hmm. I I never want to be in trouble and on the wrong side of things. But um, I just got good at sneaking. This Mm -hmm. is what I did. I thought my strategy is if I just don't get caught, Mm -hmm. then I'll be okay. Okay. So um, I did start seeing my biological mother. Um, unfortunately, uh, that was not a good connection to make. She was not in a healthy place. She wasn't in my life for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, she struggled heavily with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, she had drug issues as well. In fact, she was the first person to give me a drug. So wow. that kind of gave me a coping skill that I had never acquired before, mm-hmm. um, albeit a negative coping skill. It was a coping skill. And you know, I was just confused, sure. just really confused. Yeah. So how old are you at this point? Um, I'm driving by that point. So okay. I'm thinking 16, 17, okay. um, from the 16 to 18 year old Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of sneaking, hiding. I was smoking cigarettes. I was saying I was at work and going to parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't afraid to try anything. Um, put myself in a lot of risky positions, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, just acting out, things felt chaotic and they felt out of control inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I was doing anything that I could just to try to feel better yeah. and to try to cope, you yeah. know, as best as I could. And mm-hmm. um, so uh, when I was 19, uh, my I got pregnant when I was 19 with my first child. And that got my attention because what I missed saying was when I was 18 at midnight, when the clock struck, I had my bags packed and I said, I'm going to go live my life my way. Okay. And I you know, that's where I was at at that time. I regret that. You know, I'm, I just can't imagine my parents like sitting there not knowing where I was at, what I was doing, how I was, if I was alive. So you, you just, I when just you turned left. 18, you left. Nowhere so to go. It. Wow. Nothing just okay. left. And yeah. I was angry, you know, and yeah. I just didn't want to be there anymore. And you can't tell me what to do anymore. I'm going to mm-hmm. do this on my own terms. Mm-hmm. And that meant I walked away from the church. I'd been in a church that was, um, I'm going to say slightly legalistic. Yeah. There are all different extremes of legalism, but Mm -hmm. it was a church where you come in on Sunday, you wear your nice clothes, you sit in a seat, uh, an assigned seat. And if anybody else sits in that seat, you better watch out Mm -hmm. and you wear your nice clothes. (laughs) Because you know, God cares where you sit. Yes. You know that, right? (laughs) Yes. And then, you know, you get your nice clothes on and everything and then you leave and Monday you're a different person. Uh And um, I had a lot of uh, damage that was done in the church uh, by kids that were in the youth group that were 
just really good kids that were all very nice and all that. And um, when you got to school, we're not anymore. And I, I endured a lot of bullying mm-hmm. growing up on top of the being molested. Um, my my mother, who again was not my biological mother, she had a lot of weight issues and she was up to 500 pounds. She would be yeah. back and forth anywhere between like 400 and 500 pounds. Uh, my dad had weight issues, was diabetic, and he would be 350, 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, part of this, so weight has been an issue my whole life. And Mm -hmm. part of that has been because one week we would be on crash diets and there would be no food in the house and we would be measuring our salad dressing and we have to go out to eat and take our own butter Mm -hmm. and all these things. And then the next week I would come home to Ho-Ho's and Twinkies and they would be off their diet and it was confusing for me. And so I never knew what I was going to eat. And so I I did have food as a coping Mm -hmm. skill. And Mm -hmm. it was one of the things that you know, I can remember kind of sneaking food when I was younger. That was before I had a drug to yeah. use. Um, well, food and food can be a drug. It can be. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can be a drug. So if you follow Tattoos of My Soul, you are probably interested in increasing and improving your spiritual awareness and health, your emotional health, and even your physical health. I want to tell you guys about something we've got coming that's pretty exciting and that is near and dear to my heart, and that is a guided journal. I went through a really difficult time. My husband and I both did. We were almost shot and killed last year and we went through a really violent situation. That left us with a lot of emotional baggage. Initially, I started journaling basically just to feel better. I was looking for peace and calm and just something to release how I was feeling. But the more I journaled and the more practices that I put into place, the more I realized that I had a system that I was doing each day that was literally changing my life and changing my whole perspective. This system decreased my anxiety, decreased my depression, and increased my overall joy. It's made such a huge difference for me that I felt it was almost my responsibility to create something that I could share with you guys. So that's exactly what I've done. The life-changing journal, because that's what it did for me, is going to be available soon. So stay tuned, subscribe on tattoosofmysoul.com and join the emailing list and you'll be the first to know when the guided journal is available. I'm super excited to share this with you guys. Yeah, so that was part of it, I think, for me is just really important is me looking back at that, you know, just kind of that dysfunction that was Mm -hmm. going on in the home. Mm -hmm. And I know that was their struggle. And that was the thing that they were battling. Um, It greatly affected me, though. It affected how I viewed food and how I viewed taking care of myself physically. And um, so lots of different reasons. But um, but yeah, I left and I left the church. I left everyone. Mm -hmm. And I just went and the next about nine months were just I don't know how I lived through it, to be honest with you. I was at party after party. I was trying anything that was put in front of me. Um, it where was, did, where exactly did you go? Like, well, did you just like kind of camp my out at a friend's or yeah, just couch surfing in yeah. my car, um, mm-hmm. until the car broke down and didn't have that, but I was stubborn and because I was stubborn, like I wouldn't go, you know, change my mind. It reminds me so much of the story of the prodigal son, you mm-hmm. know, you could go home and you could be eating fine. You could be like having a nice robe and the ring put on your finger, but you're out here, you know, yeah. dealing with what the pigs, the leftover mm-hmm. of the pigs. And, you know, I've looked at that and that kind of correlation and relationship to my journey mm-hmm. um, many, many times. It took a lot to break me down before I got to that point. It usually does. You know. <laughs> 
Some of right. Us, yeah. We are stubborn. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. So yeah. when I got pregnant, I decided like, I just, I can't do this to another human being. Like mm-hmm. I need to get myself together. Mm-hmm. And when, um, so I stopped using any kind of drugs or alcohol and, you know, I was working, I was staying, renting a room by that point. Cause I'd started working Okay. and, um, decided, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Well, then my dad died suddenly. Mm-hmm. And when he died, I, you know, I thought all the other pain was bad. And yeah. I'll tell you, I was a daddy's girl. And as much as I, you know, feel like I hurt him so much when I left, like I loved him deep down. He had never hurt me, harmed me. He was a very affectionate, loving father. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, just rocked my whole world when he died and we didn't see it coming. Not that that makes it easier, but we didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. And so he was gone and I was left pregnant, um, and you are night like nineteen. Which is nineteen. Nineteen at this point. Nineteen, okay. three months pregnant, wow. and um, I see that's young too. Yeah. That's a lot to be dealing with it at well, nineteen. All that baggage. Yeah. Still had all that baggage. Never yeah. got rid of a bit of it. Carrying mm-hmm. all of it around. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but I, you know, I did, I decided like, okay, I'm going to have this baby. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get myself together. Like I need to do this for her and mm-hmm. I had a beautiful baby girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Michaela and mm-hmm. she's, uh, she's 26 now. She okay. is uh, married, has my first grandchild, okay. which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had her and um, I got married to her biological father mm-hmm. like a month after she was born mm-hmm. and immediately regretted it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something I already knew that was not the good fit. Yeah. A lot of people saying, well, if you're going to have a baby, you need to get married, you know, mm-hmm. with the church, like, you know, you can't come back to church. It was that kind of a deal. Yeah. Like you need to get married. Yeah. And I wish that I would have said, no, this isn't right. Because before our first anniversary came along, we already had the divorce finalized. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. a abuse that began, um, on both sides, physical, mental. And, um, I was concerned about that happening with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Sure. So that was a good decision to make. Um, and so that divorce was over and then I was on my own. I was a single mm-hmm. mom. Mm-hmm. I decided to, you know, live with my mom, uh, my mom that raised me. Okay. And she's really the only person I've ever called mom because mm-hmm. she's only been in that, the only person that's been in that actual role where mm-hmm. she's mothered me in life. Um, and she was grieving the loss of her husband. And mm-hmm. so we were there for each other and yeah. the baby, you know, brought us a lot of joy. And mm-hmm. so I kept thinking, okay, I've got this baby. Like I can be happy now Mm -hmm. it's like I'm just gonna get married I'm gonna be happy I'm Mm -hmm. gonna like go to school get a career all these things will make me happy Mm -hmm. and so I start trying to acquire all those things and the problem is I would get them and I would feel the same yeah I had a void in there and I wasn't happy yeah and um, so I end up getting married to just the love of my life. He has been my knight in shining armor. Mm-hmm. Um, he adopted my oldest daughter and has been a father to her. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my biggest supporter. And God has really blessed me way more than I deserve. You guys um, with just him. had an anniversary, right? I did. See on, on Facebook a couple yeah. days ago. Yes, <laughs> yeah. we did. Twenty three years. Yeah, that we've been married. That's awesome. So, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It was. It's been a battle some of the time, but well, you know, yeah, marriage is marriage is work. You know, it it doesn't it is. matter how much in love you are. You know how compatible you are. It is work. No, no matter how you dice it. Yeah, and yeah. I know we go into it a lot of times when we're thinking, oh, we're so in love, we're never gonna fight. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's so silly. But yeah, then we find out what true, you know, Mm -hmm. marriage is. But um, 
But anyway, so, you know, I had, I kept thinking, okay, I have the husband, I have mm-hmm. the daughter, you know, we were trying to get pregnant and have another child, mm-hmm. had infertility issues. And so going through that struggle and had a couple of miscarriages, those were kind of devastating yeah. for me and um, got a nice house. I ended up driving a nice car and I kept in my mind, I remember thinking like, okay, I have, I'm a wife, like I have a mom, yeah. I have Checking all these things, things like, off the list. Why am I not happy? Like yeah. in my mind, I can't figure out why I'm not happy. Right. And it doesn't, nothing occurs to me that, you know, you've got all this baggage, you've never dealt with any of it. And so I'm just moving on trying to find the next thing, just yeah. that next thing that's going to make me feel better. Yeah. Cause that's what I'm searching for like my whole life. Exactly. So, um, you know, we end up uh, having a baby and then we have a baby again and we have a baby again. Oh my like, gosh. I had, <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, we had, when my youngest was born, I had a one and a half and a two and a half year old. So wow. three under three, wow. it was insane. Yeah. Um, so I have three daughters and a son, okay. um, my three still at home, three mm-hmm. teenagers in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was still just that like void, that huge void. Yeah. And I'm at home. My husband's traveling for work all the time. He leaves on Monday. I'm at home trying to handle everything. I end up with some health issues. My back is hurting, got mm-hmm. all these problems, go to the doctor, get some pain pills. Oh, and yeah, so for me, yeah, and we're mm-hmm. on, we're mm-hmm. off to the races. Yep. And, um, you know, I had definitely used a lot of different drugs, never mm-hmm. really had any type of an addiction, I'd say, where I was dependent on anything, um, except for maybe smoking marijuana. Mm-hmm. Like that was probably the most frequent thing I did, mm-hmm. but this was different. Mm-hmm. And this, um, not only did it numb the physical pain I was having, it numbed that deep and emotional yeah. pain that was there. Right. It gave me energy. I mean, it became the love of my life. Mm-hmm. Like literally mm-hmm. the love of my life. Yeah. And over a period of a couple of years, um, you know, I just, I turned into from one person into a totally different person. I was doing things I would never have done. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't there for my kids like I should have been. Um spending lots of money then eventually stealing money you know wow. um from from our checking account knowing that i couldn't take it for that but taking money that was meant for you know our family mm-hmm. and um you know it my mother passed away that had raised me in that period of time it was 2008 and she uh, had had a back surgery and um, I'll tell you one of the lowest points in my life was I was sitting there with her she had a lot of complications after the surgery mm-hmm. and she ended up back at home at her house and on hospice mm-hmm. and um, I was sitting mm-hmm. there with her and um, I'd give her a dose of her morphine and I'd take a dose of her morphine mm-hmm. just yeah. crying yeah. and crying and sobbing my eyes out like I, I just lose everything everything I yeah. love I lose yeah um you know, what is there? Like, I have all this around me, but it's, it feels superficial Mm -hmm. and I could not enjoy any of it. Like I just did not know how to be happy. And the word joy had no meaning to me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Peace, no meaning whatsoever Mm -hmm. to me. And, um, so a couple years, you know, of this, it's gradually building, getting worse to the point where I end up getting charges for selling my prescription medication. Mm. That got my attention. Yeah. Told you earlier, I don't really like to be on the wrong side of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it really got me to stop and pause and think like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Like what right. in the world? How in the world did I get here? Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up with four felony charges out of this. And, wow. um, you know, 
decided, well, maybe I should get some help, but kind of paused for some months, kind of trying to see what the court was going to do. They definitely proceeded with charges. And at that point, um, I decided like, I have got to, I've got to do something I'm about. And my husband then told me he saw an attorney and he was getting a divorce. Yeah. I was going to like ask you, how mm -hmm. is your husband dealing with all this yeah. in the meantime? And he's, he's, obviously yeah. had had enough yeah he didn't know what to do you know he tried to support me he tried yeah. to help me every way he knew but at the end of the day like I never have blamed him like he had to do what he had to do to protect mm -hmm. the kids and the family and I know he was heartbroken over sure. yeah. all of it and yeah. um so yeah I mean he did what he had to do because of them mm -hmm. so he made that stuff and he talked to them and started some paperwork and um you know, I was going to Florida every uh, month at that point to get pain pills there. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, I was so deep in. And uh, I went down there in December of 2010. That was the last time I went to do this. And when I got there, I didn't have any money left. Mm -hmm. I Before, I had always like stayed in nice places, had a rental car that was nice, mm -hmm. um, lived it up for the few days. You know, mm -hmm. it was really this masquerade, to be yeah. totally honest with you, like putting a mask on that, look at me, my life is all good. I'm going on these monthly trips to Florida, mm -hmm. you know, when really everything was just in shambles. Yeah. And um, yeah. I couldn't hide that anymore. I tried, I wore masks and I hid it for a long time. And at this point, I just, I couldn't hide it anymore. So mm -hmm. I got down there and I didn't even have enough money to like fill the prescription after I went to the doctor. So I was walking from this nasty hotel down to a Western Union site, um, probably hadn't showered, looking rough, walking down this busy street, five lanes. Um, and I just stopped and I just stood there. And I remember just looking around like, did anybody see me right now? Like, am I am I invisible? Mm -hmm. And if I died right now, like would anybody even know? And yeah. that's truly how I felt. And I just thought, like, how did I get to this right. low of a place where I just have no hope whatsoever? Mm -hmm. I don't even know where to go from here. Mm -hmm. But that was the place, you know, hitting that bottom where I was like empty of myself finally, mm -hmm. where I realized my need, you mm -hmm. know, for God. And so I remember standing there, I, I mean, cars whizzing by everywhere. And I put my hands up in the air. I'm like, I don't know if you're there, but if you're there, I'm going to need some help. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, that was like the start of, wow. you know, the progression of me getting well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I came back and I'd love to say that I got rid of the pills, didn't use them, but that's just not how things went. I uh, I did use the rest of them. And um, it was uh, Christmas Day was the last day of 2010 that I um, used and um, my kids opened all their presents. I have no clue what they opened. I don't have any memories of that. Um, I was not with it. And, um, you know, I'm not proud to say that it's just, it's where I was at, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, my husband took the kids and went to his family for Christmas. They spent the night and then I was there alone and I had just decided like, okay, I'm, this is it. Like, this is my plan. I am going to, I just took the last of what I have. I'm not leaving this house. Mm -hmm. If I leave this house, I will go get more. Mm -hmm. And I just can't do this. The problem is that I underestimated like the power of what withdrawals can do to yeah. a person. Yeah. So it was bad. It was really bad. And um, I ended up getting sent to a hospital on an ambulance and then was in a, you know, kind of an mm. ICU type situation. Wow. Incoherent. Um, you know, uh, I my husband at that point, again, he's already trying to get me out of the house and has already filed paperwork. Yet there he was sitting beside me in the hospital bed mm -hmm. because he knew at that point I didn't have anybody. Yeah. I had them. I had my husband. I had my kids. I had no one. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I had my husband's family, but... 
Like I just had no one like left in my family. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I felt orphaned. I always had this kind of orphan spirit of feeling like I didn't belong in my family, especially after I found out that my mom wasn't my mom. And then the biological mother thing was not yeah. what I wanted it to be. And she right. never really um, got well mm-hmm. then before she passed. And uh, so just this orphan spirit about me. So anyways, I, it was, you know, it was that low place in that hospital bed. Like I ended up having a series of, I, I don't know what you want to call them because the truth of the matter is they could have been psychosis. They could have been a dream. They could have been a vision. It doesn't really matter what it was, mm-hmm. but God used it. Yeah. And he used it for me because I'm a visual person and I needed to see something. Mm-hmm. And he, he spoke to me in that dream. And, um, I basically, I don't share this all the time, but I'm feeling like I'm going to okay, go ahead and share, share it. it. Yeah. I, well, I struggle sometimes. I'm yeah. just being real with you because yeah. sometimes, um, it's these types of things are, they open you up to like, well, what if somebody doesn't believe you or whatever? Right. But right. at the end of the day, this is what God did and it's mm-hmm. God's story. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I think for me, I, so I end up like in these dreams, um, it feels like it goes on forever and ever. I have no idea how long it actually went on. Mm-hmm. and I'm being chased and everywhere I turn like there is someone coming out of somewhere trying to get me and mm-hmm. pull me down mm-hmm. and then I end up in this like wilderness type of an environment and just running 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 to exhaustion I have nothing left and um, I would finally like sneak away get away and feel like I had the person off of my heels and then another one would be there and mm-hmm. I finally got to the point where I just literally had nothing left Mm-hmm. And I got down, crouched down, put my you know hands up over my head mm-hmm. and was just like, I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to lay yeah. down and take it. I'm uh-huh. done. I can't do this anymore. And right at that time, there was a like a ruckus. There was like noise that started happening around me. And I finally got brave enough to like peek and see what was happening. And I look up to see a man who's fighting them off. Mm. And just one by one, there they go. And eventually it's just him and I sitting Mm. there. And I'm just distraught. Like, why did you do that? You know, Mm. you're hurt. You're like bleeding. Like, Mm. why would you just do that? And and I just remember in my mind thinking like blown away. Why would you do that for me? I cannot understand. Yeah. And all he said was, because I love you Mm. and I want you to go feed my sheep. Mm. And those were the words, because I love you. I want you to go feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. All I can tell you is he was wearing blue jeans and a white t-shirt. Really? (laughs) Don't know. Don't remember a face. So Jesus wears jeans. (laughs) I mean, he did for me. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, He's casual. I mean, he ditched the toga. Like no more Birkenstocks and togas. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, He's present day styling. Yeah. That's I love that is amazing. Like, you know, you're I'm just sitting here, you know, like imagining all of this stuff that you've gone through. I mean, it's I mean, it's you've been to hell and back. There's like no way around it, you know. Um, And it's so amazing because the more of these podcasts that I do, like, you know, we Mm -hmm. see people every day. Like if I saw you in the coffee shop, I would never imagine that you have this story like and that is one of the things that is really at the central theme of, of tattoos in my soul is like, everybody's got a story of pain. Like everybody's got some kind of trauma, you know? And I just, I think it is amazing how God has literally just used everything that you've been through. And now you are helping people that are in very similar situations, no doubt. Um, and even if it's not a situation, that's exactly what you went through. You can still relate because you know what it's like mm-hmm. to suffer. You know, you know what it's like to be in the pit. Um, and I think too, just 
the whole addiction piece. You know, mm-hmm. I I did another podcast well with with Kelly mm-hmm. Savage, and she kind of had a similar you know, um, like high school parent experience where she was just doing a lot of things to fill in the void. And I think that that's, that's something I want to speak to because like kids, at least from what I'm observing, kids don't do that kind of stuff unless they are trying to fill a void or if there's some kind of hurt going on, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I guess that's just an awareness that we all need to have as we're, you know, raising up our own kids and just, you know, kids in general, yeah. that next generation, if you see kids acting out, you know, ask mm-hmm. them like, what's, is there something going yeah. on? Is there a hurt, you know? Cause it seems to me like that is kind of a central theme, you know, yeah, kids sure. typically don't just do that stuff for no yeah. reason. Um, your story, uh, yeah, is just amazing to me. I think you could definitely write a book if you wanted to. I'm in the to. middle of it. Are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, you I'm and me writer. both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, I believe that. I love the visualization piece because I'm a huge visual uh, visualization. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm coming out with a guided journal. Yes, and I'm excited so, for that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so one of my key components in my healing has been the visualization piece and just visualizing what you want your life to look like, not where you're necessarily at right now. Because I know for me, like when I was really going through my trauma and just really, you know, I had a similar experience where I just found myself flat on the floor, just, you know, like you just, you get to that point where it's like, I have nothing left, Mm -hmm. God, like you're going to have to come in, you're going to have to, you're going to have to step in and fix this because I can't fix it myself. Um, But that visualization piece, and I always kind of compare it to, the imagination that we have when we're kids, yeah. you know, when we play, like you said, you yeah. you could just picture yourself as a kid mm-hmm. and you're running around and you're imagining, you know, whatever you're doing and you get totally lost in that moment. And I think if we can use that visualization mm-hmm. as part of our healing and part of working through that trauma that we've, we've been through, mm-hmm. no matter what that trauma is, like, this is where my life's at right now, but this is what I visualize myself mm-hmm. for the future where I want to be. I think that's yeah. so key. And there's you know? hope. That's hope. Exactly. Visualizing the future means that I'm having hope that it can. Exactly. That there's even a minute, you know, right way. And it's, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about like the, um, the baby birds, I was running around and I was trying to save them and yeah. rescue them. And in a sense, I feel like that's what I'm doing today yeah. is, yes. you know, they're yes. not baby birds, yes. but they either have broken wings or, you know, they've been, um, and bondaged and mm-hmm. slaved and yeah. need set free. And, um, I always said when I was a kid, I wanted to be a nurse mm-hmm. and I always had that desire to want to help people and, mm-hmm. and to help with healing and do all of that. And um, it didn't come in that sense with nurse, but I feel like what I do is nursing people's souls yeah. just to sit down with somebody and just be real about, you know, where I've been, where they're at and mm-hmm. let them know that it's okay that you're struggling. Like, I think we just don't validate, like it's okay that you're feeling the way you're feeling. And just to say like, we, we run around and we have to put those masks on. And just like that coffee shop thing you said, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I intentionally put the mask on so that if I went into the coffee shop and saw you, that you would think everything was okay with me. Yeah, she's got it together. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think the social media, social media is good, but it's like, it plays into that. I mean, I say it's good. Is it good? I don't know. It can be used for (laughs) good. It can be used for good. I'm trying to use it for good. I know you do too, but it's like, that can really play into that whole comparison mm-hmm. thing. I heard something on the radio the other day where they said that 
there was a certain percentage. It was very high. It was like 60%, 70% people that constantly are comparing themselves yeah. to each other. It actually can cause depression. Mm -hmm. And I think that I when that. we are walking around with the masks, like you were just saying, yeah. trying to act like we have it all together instead of just being open, open, like open and wrong, like, Hey, I'm struggling here. You know, there yeah. is, there's some freedom yeah. in saying, I'm going through something like <laughs> I don't yeah. have it all together. It's not, it's okay to not be okay. I it mean, is. I say that yes. to women I work with all the time. Like, it's okay. Like I yeah. say, are you okay? And they're not sure. I'm like, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Because yeah. if you're not just say where you're at right now, because exactly. we don't know where to start. We don't even know how to move forward. If we can't right. figure out where we're at, we have to put exactly. our finger on it. And, you know, and I learned that by doing that, mm -hmm. you know, over the past 10, it's been 10 and a half years I've been in recovery. And over that time, period, you know, that's been an ongoing process, a journey with the Lord where mm -hmm. he's been remaking me, you know, plucking out the old, yeah. um, and just, um, you know, teaching me just, um, to, in, in God's word and just like absorbing it like a sponge and soaking it up because, mm -hmm. you know, I love the verses about he comforts us in our affliction so mm -hmm. that we can uh, go then and we can comfort others in theirs. Just like right. you said, we know because we've been there yeah. and, um, you know, I, don't think God wanted me to have to go through all those things. I don't think it was his will for us to be injured the way that we've been injured. Mm -hmm. We It's a result of sin in a, a world that's world. broken and yep. fallen. Yep. Um, but he uses all of it. I'm 100% positive that he yeah. uses it for our good if we turn to him and we surrender it to him. And I mean, I, I walk in purpose each day you mm -hmm. know I still have days where I struggle sure. you know I'm yeah. an ongoing process and as do I you yeah. know yeah. and um I have days where I still struggle because insecurity is a big thing that orphan thing you know yeah. and I think I told you on the phone about you know a newer thing this past year that came up that has been a hard struggle for yeah. me um and you know share that a little bit too just because it's kind of ties in with um just trusting God you mm -hmm. know because it's not like okay we hit that rock bottom and we got up we invited the Lord into it and surrendered and then everything's fine mm -mm. that does not happen I wish but it doesn't yeah, yeah. it usually yeah. gets harder actually at least yeah. is what I found but um, we have the tools now but we have we do an we arsenal do. of weapons if we just pick the, the Bible up and if we use it we put our armor on and mm -hmm. you know all those pieces of the armor they all have a purpose and yeah. So at least now we're not fighting the battle on our own. We're like fighting with God, you right. know, with him. Um, and he's really fighting the battle. Mm -hmm. Actually, we shouldn't even be fighting it. We should just be, you know, standing firm in our faith and trusting yeah. and praying and asking others to invite us into it. But um, but that's easier said than done, right? It is. It is. And it I is. think, too, like, you know, there's something to be said for having confidence in yourself as a person because... I think we get in the habit. I know I know women struggle with this in particular mm -hmm. of constantly being in this mindset of self-doubt, you know, and that's why one of my t-shirts that I made has mm -hmm. confidence on it because I feel like confidence is so needed. And when I say confidence, I'm not talking about like confidence in how you look yeah. or how you come across. I'm talking about confidence in like who you are as a human being mm -hmm. and what you're capable of. And I always yeah. tell people like you have the answers it's in your mm -hmm. inner wisdom right. through the Holy Spirit, through God and through your own just inner wisdom. Yeah. It's a matter of getting quiet and being able to listen, because if you're going a mm -hmm. hundred miles a minute and you're doing everything to put that that mask yeah. on and to, to make sure you all it looks great on the outside, you're going to miss the messages. You know, you've got to get quiet right. within yourself. 
So absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so um, this year, about this time last year, I woke up one Saturday morning and usually I kind of just wake up, pick my cell phone up like a lot of us do, put mm-hmm. my glasses on my face so I could see. And, you know, I look at the cell phone and I read this message. It's from my biological mother's brother. Okay. And it, it says, it seems you have a brother you didn't know about. That's what the message Surprise. says. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I remember I just went, huh. Okay. And my husband was laying right there and he had just woken up and he's like, what? And I just said, like all casually, like, it seems I have a brother I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And so it was the weirdest, like, just, you know, just reading it like that, like just almost removed from the emotion yeah. of it. I'm just like, oh, okay. Almost like nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, I end up by the end of that day talking to a guy, um, who is my brother. Okay. And so, um, you know, end up talking to him at length and our journeys have actually kind of, you know, been very similar in mm-hmm. life, have some mm-hmm. of the same struggles, been through a lot of trauma mm-hmm. and, uh, have made it through significant things. And so I talked to him and over the next months, you know, building a relationship with him, finding out all these things I never knew about my biological mother, about aunts and uncles and people wow. that are still alive that mm-hmm. I didn't know like knew me or mm-hmm. loved me mm-hmm. um and then you know finding out my brother he found out who his biological father was and and over time he starts saying hey have you ever thought about doing the DNA test because there's some people who think your dad's not your dad and I'm like oh well <laughs> no my dad's my dad I have his eyes like I yeah. have his shoulders like uh-huh. yeah no my dad's my dad but mm-hmm. you know I don't know what they're talking about whatever and so I I start talking to more people and I'm talking to aunts that I just never had connections with and um it comes comes to light that like everybody knew that my dad that raised me like could not have children wow and I mean all these people knew this and except for me so this happened that didn't happen just once but twice where you found out like your yes. mom your mom is not your mom and your dad is not your dad like, now dad's not my dad yeah correct yeah. so so it, I ended up doing a DNA test and mm-hmm. it came back that yeah the dad that raised me that was on my birth certificate that I always believed was my father was not my biological father wow. I got the confirmation of that beginning of this year okay and um so that means that my brother Brian is my full brother mm-hmm. so not half brothers as we first thought and then I found out I have two siblings that are in Florida I've gone to meet them since mm-hmm. um but I'll out of that, um, yeah, I mean, there's been some confusion. There's been some like, what? Like, yeah. what do you do with that? Yeah. Like, how is that possible? And I thought my eyes and my, you know, my broad shoulders came from there and apparently not. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but it's really brought like just a lot of um, connections to other family members and people like it's been so healing. Mm-hmm. And I think awesome. that's the difference I want to share is that in the past when I had hard things, like I didn't have skills, like I didn't have coping skills. I didn't have a relationship with the Lord and I didn't know what to do with those things. I didn't take them to him mm-hmm. and let him like guide me through it. Yeah. And I still had a lot of like all over the place emotions with mm-hmm. this situation. It right. wasn't easy. It's a hard thing to try to like mm-hmm. grasp. Yeah. Um, but the difference this time is that, you know, I did it like inviting God into it and like letting him use it to teach me through and to grow me through. Yep. And that it, it's just a night and day difference than, than how I handled things, you know, in years past. So, um, you know, we go through hard things and I firmly believe that like God just intends to use every drop 
every single bit of the struggle for good in our lives, mm-hmm. because I just don't think he's a God that's going to waste yeah. the pain. Amen. I yeah, just don't I believe, believe that. 100%. Yeah. 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 And so I just am, I am personally, my goal is just to like, okay, whenever I'm in a bad situation, what can I learn from this? God, how can I grow from this? Because I just don't want to have to keep learning the same lesson over yes. and over again and having yes. more painful situations yes. and surrendering to his way. You know, it's, it's just so much easier. It's not mm-hmm. easy, mm-hmm. you know, it's not simple, mm-hmm. but it's not rocket science either. And it's right. kind of like, oh, well, if he is the all powerful, all knowing God, and he's, you know, been here from the beginning of time before time started, and he, you know, knows past, present and future, then I guess maybe I can trust him, mm-hmm. you know, with my life. And so that's just what I try to do on a daily basis. And, you know, sometimes we do better at that. And sometimes we don't. But, right. Yeah. yeah. You're preaching. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> I do. Get me on a roll. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm like 100% with you. I just literally just wrote about that this morning where when we go through hard times, what can we learn? It, it We are literally given opportunity after opportunity to learn. And like you yeah. said, if we don't learn this time, we're just going to have to learn it a different mm-hmm. way, probably a harder way. So I yeah. think, you know, that's such a good piece of advice. With that, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you all day long. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, you probably need to come back and do another um, podcast with me. But you, I really appreciate you being like so just open and vulnerable. I know for sure about a lot of people that, you know, listen to this. You you, you hit on so many topics that there's going to be so many people that can relate to at least part of your story. So I think I think the underlying theme here that we're both saying is when you go through something difficult, stop and ask yourself, what can you learn and trust that God's going to do something good from it? Yeah. And remember that quote that I started with. Like yes. How can precious, you say that one more time? How precious. Consider how precious the soul must be when both God and the devil are after it. Yes. I love that. I love that. I'm going to look that. Who did you say that was? Charles like? Spurgeon. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. So, All right. Well, Angie, thank you so much. And I uh, really just appreciate you coming in and, and being a guest. Yeah. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. having me. All right.